Uh, also, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. I know Mike's wife does. She loves following us on Twitter and Facebook. Lots of great content or Mike's on there. Stalker, we don't know. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man our school voted most likely to throw hands in a Golden Corral parking lot, my brother Mike. You reach for that last piece of gold or Golden Corral roast beef, I'm, we're going to have to touch up. We're going to have to touch up. You're going to have to answer for that, okay? Or you go after that last cinnamon roll, you're, you're mine, okay? I will mess you up in a Golden Corral parking lot. Something in my mind, you're like, you're wearing cutoff jean shorts and like a mesh tank top. I only go to Golden Corral and cutoffs in a a tank top. Yeah. Is there any other way? Why wouldn't you? I mean, you're going to be expanding while you're there. So yes, when you're in Corral and you're Golden Corral, just keep your eyes out for Mike. He's looking to, he's looking to tangle if you go after Looking for trouble in Golden Corral. Yeah. On this week's episode, we'll look back at the 500 week that the Royals had this week, discuss some Royals prospects not named Vinny Pasquantino, and of course, preview this week's game. But first, I want to wish a very happy Father's Day to my co-host, Mike. It is his very first. Mike, how's your, yeah, he's taking a little uh, a little uh, applause there. He's just sort of bowing to the crowd, bowing to the audience for those who can't see because this is a podcast and there's no video, so it's not going to do you any good, Mike. Um, <laughs> happy Father's Day to him. Very first. How's it going so far? I, I successfully raised a kid to the age of four months already. I feel like my job's pretty much done. If the kid needs anything else, it's on his mom at this point. You know, like what, what's she doing? <laughs> well, she certainly is more capable. We all know that. We all know that if if she ends up taking over, things are going to go much more smoothly than well, if I this mean, kid ends pretty up much with, is taking over. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, she's she's done the bulk of the work, and I got to play golf yesterday because it's Father's Day weekend, so that was great. Thanks. That's right. Mike and I were out there in the blazing ninety-five degree heat, playing a beautiful round of golf. Mostly beautiful for me. Mike had a good few couple of good shots in there, but it was really mostly just me out there Whoop tearing up the course, ass. just making things look incredible. Uh, yeah, it was a really, really good time. I was happy to do it. I whooped your ass like we were in the parking lot of a Golden Corral. Okay. <laughs> Not much happened in roster-wise last week. They just sort of shifted relievers back and forth a few times, some coming off the IL, some going back down, some getting outright or DFA'd. It's all basically reliever-related news on the roster front. The Royals will be getting or did get Gabe Spire back, a reliever who was pretty effective before he went on the IL. Hopefully he gets to get back in there in the swing of things and, and uh, look, looks good again like he did before he went on the IL. Amir Garrett came back early last week. He has a, a pitched a couple times, I think. One time didn't look so great. Maybe both times didn't look so great if my memory serves. I'm sorry, I'm reaching for details in my memory, which is very poor. Um, but he is back. Other relievers got sent down and moved around. The Royals outrighted uh, Andres Viscano, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. This guy, uh, I think. This, I think it's Viscano, honestly. Is it Viscano? Uh, I think it is Viscano. Um, but anyway, they outrighted him, but he'll. I think he'll end up in AAA. If that ends up, I think you do have to be offered to other teams. Other teams do get a crack at you when you get outrighted, I think. But I think uh, he'll end up back in AAA anyway. And then they DFA'd Albert Abreu, who they just traded for like three weeks ago. So they traded for him three weeks ago, gave Yo- Johans Morel for him. And now they have designated him for assignment, meaning other teams definitely will have a chance to take him if they want him. Again, I don't think he's going to get taken. I think he'll end up back in AAA, but it's wild to me that you trade for this reliever that three weeks later you DFA. That is pretty, uh, that shows you're pretty much just scrambling. That's uh, the long term planning of the case. That's that long term planning we love. It's there. We're playing checkers, they're playing chess over there. So, you know. 
the Royals didn't have a winning week this week, but they managed to not have a losing week. So maybe that's a tiny, tiny baby step forward. Uh, they went three and three this week, which brings their overall record to 23 and 42. They got their first series win since May 15th when they took two or three from the Rockies. So, hey, yay, series win against Oakland. But it's, it's felt, been a month. It's been a month. It's been a month. A month since they won a series. Uh, we thought they were going to win that one in Baltimore. Eh, no, they didn't win that one. Actually, it was in Kansas City, but they were playing Baltimore. But anyway, they got the win against the Oakland in the Oakland series. But really, this week felt pretty much the same as most weeks. We're, I always constantly feel like we're just kind of waiting for the fun stuff to begin, like the trading of, of different players for prospects. To me, that's fun stuff to sort of think about or the, you know, letting young guys play, getting Vinny Pascantino up. So like that, I'm just sort of waiting, firing Cal Eldred and getting a real pitching coach. I'm sort of just waiting for all the fun stuff to begin. It's weird to because it's been we've been waiting for like two months now for that fun stuff ever since we knew, OK, this is not a competitive season. Uh, it's like, well, now I want the fun stuff to start. We're still just waiting for that to happen, but at least they got a non-losing week uh, while we're waiting for that fun stuff. Yeah, it's really fun to see the young guys come up and play. That's kind of my – in seasons like this, that's what you're looking forward to is are we going to be able to see the future coming by – because it's hope is what it is. Like you want a little bit of hope. You want to see Vinny Pasquantino come up and give you a little bit of hope. You want to see – Nick Prado come up, give you a little bit of hope, even if for guys like that's why we look at the minors a lot in seasons like this, because you're looking down even at Jonathan Boland. I want to see how he does coming back off of the injury. I want to see how uh, Asa Lacey now does coming back off his injury, those types of things, because, yeah, I've seen this team. And, and what I wrote for this was we were overmatched this week in one series by quite a bit. And then we were kind of the bully in the other series and that we looked better than Oakland in that second series because Oakland is a heaping pile of garbage. Okay. But uh, we're all basically just Andy Dufresne right now. We're sort of like, we got hope when everybody's like, you shouldn't busy have hope. Living. No, don't have hope. It's one of those, uh, one of those things that you got to have the hope though. And the whole lesson of that movie is you got to have the hope. Hope uh, is a good so, thing, red. And it's luckily, luckily baseball like presents a structure for you to have hope because there's a minor league system. There's always like a, the capacity to have hope. So you can always look at like the draft or the minors and say, like, well, what's coming up? Well, we got a chance with some of these guys, even if we're fooling ourselves, we got a chance with some of these guys. And with the Royals, I've looked at a lot of minor league systems. I've been a Royals fan for quite a while. I was a Cubs fan before that. I can say honestly that like, I don't think we're fooling ourselves that the Royals actually do have hope in their minor league system. I think there is quite a bit of talent there. But it's wild because right now that's what we're sort of waiting for. We're waiting on that real fun stuff, the stuff that might actually get fans excited a little bit, and uh, it just hasn't come yet. Instead, we're getting to watch guys like Carlos Santana play a lot. And guess what? He actually did a little bit of hitting this week, a little. The weird thing was the Royals were 3-3 three and three this week, but there were no real standout individual performances, or at least not a lot of them. And so we chose Carlos Santana as one of our strong performances this week. Mike, tell us why he deserves, or I guess gets this slot by default, basically. Well, he did the one thing that he's known for doing. He took a lot of walks this week. So he was only four for 13 hitting the ball, but he had five walks. And so no extra base hits, you know, that's, I guess, okay. Now, do you want that out of the guy you're playing first base and paying that much money? No. But we pick on him so much that I figure eh, he was up there. He, you said that he had the highest OPS this week of any uh, Royal that we had that had a significant number of at-bats. And so, yeah, you get it this week, Carlos Santana, four for 13 with five walks. Keep on walking, buddy. 
Way to go. Strong performance by default. Yes, he is the only Royal who had an OPS over 800, except for Ryan O'Hearn, because he only had two at-bats. And so, good job, Carlos Santana. Yay! Yeah, not a lot of strong individual performances, even though the Royals did manage to grab three wins this week. Uh, some of the strong, one strong performance came from the pitching side, though he only threw one start. That was Brad Keller, who went out and had seven innings pitched, one hit, three walks, six Ks, zero earned, zero runs given up. Looked good in that outing. Still walked a few too many. I don't, he looked partially, he looked really good because he was facing Oakland, but you know, you got to beat who they put in front of you. And so looks like he had a, a really nice day that day. I took that no hitter pretty deep into the game. I think he went five and two thirds without a hit maybe. Um, and so, yeah. so it was, it was exciting there for a little while from Brad Keller. He comes out, gives you some of these performances and you can see what he can be. And then occasionally he'll have not a great performance. Like I think the one right before this, he went an inning and two thirds or something like that. And so a little inconsistency, hopefully he's found that thing that allows him to pitch like this from the moving forward. Cause it'd be great to either one up his trade value. If the Royals are considering trading him or two, just have a guy who can give you a more solid outing every fifth day. There were quite a few weak performances to choose from this week because for some reason, even though they won three games, a lot of guys struggled, especially at the plate. The offense was not great this week. Mike, tell us who you picked for your weak performer this week. I'm going with Bobby Witt Jr., a man that we all know and love, <laughs> a man that uh, we have all, all have a lot of hope in. And I, and I think the weak performances, the inconsistency that he's showing throughout the year isn't necessarily something to be worried about. Uh, he was five for 24 this week, one double the thing that really gets me here is the 10 strikeouts to only one walk. When Bobby Witt Jr. is doing really, really well, his walk numbers will be a little bit higher than that. He still hits the crap out of the ball a lot of time, even when he's getting out, but the strikeout numbers were too high this week. So no, I'm not worried about Bobby Witt Jr. I think it's part of his progression. I think he'll get more consistent as he sees more major league pitching, but he didn't do great this week in some big spots too. Yeah, the thing about him is got to work on that plate discipline, got to work on that working the strike zone. The more you control the strike zone, the more you force them to come into your turbo zone. And then, you know what, it, it's the fact that he's not getting, yes, he's hitting the ball hard, but hitting the ball hard gets better results when you're hitting the ball hard in your best areas. So I, he can hit the ball hard on the edges because he's just a great athlete with a lot of, you know, uh, hand-eye coordination, but what he needs to do is force them to come into his best hitting zones. The ones he can hit for line drives, the ones he can drive out of the ballpark, that sort of thing, and not sort of be putting balls down in the bottom third in play at hundred miles an hour. Well, guess what? A lot of times those are still going to be outs too. And so, you know, I'd like to see more uh, control of that strike zone, but Hey, he's a young hitter. I think he'll continue to work on it. He'll continue to get better. But uh, this week was a little bit of a rough outing for him. Also rough for another one of the hitters in the heart of the Royals lineup. That's Salvador Perez, who was right behind Bobby Wood Jr. As you can see, this is why the Royals didn't score a lot of runs these last couple of games or this whole, whole week actually is because the heart of their order struggled all week. Salvador Perez was four for 24. He had one double and one home run eight strikeouts and one walk. You see a real similarity there between Bobby Wood Jr. and Salvador Perez. Lots of strikeouts, very few walks. And that's sort of the thing. You're the, if the heart of your order is that inconsistent, then you're going to inconsistently score runs, right? The heart of their order is not great at controlling the strike zone. And so sometimes they don't score much at all. And sometimes when they're, those two, two guys are hot, they score a bunch. And so hopefully Salvador Perez is always going to be that guy. Salvador Perez has been that guy his whole career. I think in an ideal Royals lineup, Salvador Perez doesn't hit fourth. I think he hits closer to seventh. 
because you have guys who are going to be more consistent up there. So I'd, I'd actually rather see MJ Melendez hitting fourth than Salvador Perez. I'd rather see, you know, Michael A. Taylor hitting further up than Salvador Perez, because yes, Salvi's going to give you some big home runs and that's going to be really cool, but he's also going to give you a lot of games where he's striking out a lot. And so, or hitting into double plays or doing all these sorts of things. So in my mind, I don't want to, he's not the guy I really want to rely on in the heart of my order. I want that guy to be somebody who's a little bit more disciplined at the plate. But yeah, we've said it. Things get a lot easier when you play teams like Oakland in a week. You know, um, the Royals went three and three this week. They were able to look like the the bully in, a, in one series because they got to play a team that isn't very good. And I'm, I'm glad to see that the Royals are beating a team that, that is as bad as Oakland. That was my theme for the week. And it's a lot easier when you play Oakland. I'm glad to see them beat those sorts of teams. They should and need to beat those sorts of teams. I would just rather they also look at least competitive in those games that they're playing teams like the Giants. And I, I thought they actually looked pretty good in that Giants series. If somebody said, who, who do they look best against? Maybe the Giants. Like in terms of just the way they played, I think maybe they look better against the Giants. I think they have to have a t- different type of game plan. So I mentioned in our last week's episode, the Giants walk a lot. They're a very patient team. And yet their pitching staff came out and looked like they weren't dedicated to really throwing strikes and not allowing them to walk as much there because they're not a great hitting team. They're just a great walking team. And so they really didn't own the strikes on the way I hope they would as a pitching staff in that first series. That's why it's a lot easier when you play Oakland. They're playing Oakland. You see more guys chasing out of the zone and all that sort of thing. And that plays into my theme of the week, which is pitch like everyone's Oakland. Be aggressive in the zone because you feel like an Oakland A's team, even if you're aggressive in the zone, isn't going to do a whole lot with the pitches that you're throwing in there. You should be pitching the Giants like they are the Oakland A's. You should be pitching the White Sox and the Yankees that same way. Does it mean that you're going to have some times when you get hit by those better teams? Yes, but at least you're not walking guys. You're not giving up. You're allowing your defense to play a little bit more, especially in big parks like like the Giants don't play in a small park. I mean – be aggressive in there, do what you have to do. Um, unless you have a team that's explicitly going to chase, then you need to stay aggressive in the strike zone. And part of that is the planning from their pitching staff, their pitching coach. Who's that? Um, Who is that yeah, guy? And that, I that's, don't know. That's a big I don't know. He's but the guy. You need to stay aggressive in the zone when you're playing any team that's going to be like that. Really, most teams. Like you may have a slightly different plan if you have a team that chases a lot. You may have a slightly different plan if you have a team that's like, hey, we're in a tiny little ballpark and they, they put the ball out like crazy. We have to be really careful here and there. Okay. I get that. Or we're going to pitch around. Like when you play Cleveland, you should never pitch to Jose Ramirez. You should always pitch around him. Like you're going to have those types of things. But other than that, be aggressive within the strike zone. If you can't get guys out that way, you shouldn't be pitching in major league baseball. Well, here's the thing. It seems like the Royals have this ideology about pitching that is really trying to encourage their pitchers to get guys to chase. It looks like they're looking for pitchers who want to try and get guys to chase outside the zone. It's good if you can do that sometimes. That's fine. But I would really rather they look for guys who can produce swings and misses inside the zone. Get guys who will throw and get strikes inside the zone, and you don't have to worry about all the walks that they're getting. You know what drives me nuts? When I see Brady Singer get ahead of someone 0-2 and then throw two pitches that it's almost like a routine. You can count on here come two pitches that aren't going to be in the strike zone. Guys don't swing. Now it's 2-2. You know, it's like they waste so many pitches trying to get guys to chase that sometimes I wish they would just be a little bit more aggressive in the zone when they know they can be. It's like you're facing the eight hitter. This guy's hitting 220 this year. Why are you trying to waste pitches on him? 
throw him something in the zone. Maybe you sneak one by him because he's expecting those waste pitches at this point. He knows you're trying to get him to chase. Throw him one in the zone. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. We actually have a five-star review that we're going to read for you right now, because if you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we read it for you on the show. Here's that review, though this one has a big, big, big asterisk next to it. It's a big asterisk. It says, I love this podcast. The Mead Twins are fun to listen to, knowledgeable about everything Royals, even talking about minor league players, and obviously passionate about the team. Anyone who is looking to stay updated on everything Royals should go subscribe to this podcast. She's right about that. It's entertaining to listen to them as well with their delivery of great zingers and witty banter in between the baseball talk, which is good for people like me who don't know much about baseball. My favorite part of the podcast is the Just a Bit Outside segment. Go Royals. P.S. Mike is hot. Okay, this very clearly so, comes from Mike's nope, wife. Nope. Yes, you don't know yes. that. You don't know yeah. that. All the right. name is Lane I got thirteen thirty, and her na- middle name is is Lane. Okay, you so know what's weird about the thirteen? Clearly from your wife. What do you want to know? What's weird about that? What? So I don't know why my wife found this out or how or whatever, but that's the number of times Babe Ruth struck out in his career. Did you know that? I did not. That's why How does she know that? that the, How does she know that? I think she read a book or did a paper on Babe Ruth. She's never read a book. That's not. It was like, hey, I this I like this number. It's like a reminder of, hey, even the best strike out. Maybe I don't know, but pretty amazing. Um, so e- yeah. even if you are Mike's wife, we will read your review on this if it's good. <laughs> if it's a good five star review, we will still read your review, even if you're Mike's wife and you're clearly just stacking the deck to say that he is attractive. Which I, I we could all have know a stalker out there. We don't. It's not true. We don't know. Sure. Uh huh. Okay. Uh huh. Uh, also, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. I know Mike's wife does. She loves following us on Twitter and Facebook. Lots of great content Mike's on there. stalker. We don't know. For this week's Spotlight segment, we've decided to check in on the minor league affiliates to give you a sense of who's standing out among the Royals prospect this season. Of course, there are the obvious Vinny Pasquantinos and so forth, but we're hoping to give you the name of a few prospects whose performance has pushed them into the conversation with guys like Vinny and Nick Prado as future contributors. Mike, since it's Father's Day, I will graciously allow you to go first. Give us an under-the-radar Royals prospect who's put themselves on your radar this year. Well, the big one for me, the first one I'm going to go with is probably the guy that's maybe the deepest cut, and that's partially because he's coming back from Tommy John surgery and hasn't had a whole lot of time in minor league baseball, period. This is Noah Cameron, the left-handed pitcher out of St. Joseph, Missouri. Yay. We won't we won't hold that against him. We won't okay? hold that. Against we are not going to hold Noah that Cameron. against you, Noah Cameron. You're from St. Joe. You didn't choose to be born there, like Eminem. I think I'm not <laughs> he sure wasn't about born that. there, but I think he okay. Lived maybe there, not born right? there, but he did live there. Um, <laughs> you were you didn't choose to be born in St. Joe, so we won't hold that against you. We love you, Noah Cameron. We know he's an avid listener of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. 22 year old. He's in high A right now. He was actually drafted, I think, out of the University of Central Arkansas. Um, so it wasn't a, lot, a seventh round guy, I think. So it wasn't a lot of high expectations for him. But coming off of that Tommy John surgery, he's looked really, really good. He's in high A right now. He's 22, so he's maybe a skoosh old for the league. Not too old for the league, right? That's not too bad. Um, three ERA, right? But here's the big thing. 16.5 strikeouts per nine. That's real good. And only two walks per nine. 16.5 so, is elite reliever good in the mind. Like that's, that's, that's and he's a starter, good. by the mm-hmm. way. And so, yeah, just unreal strikeout numbers right now at high A, uh, the, the Quad City River Bandits, the high, they're our high A affiliate. He's, he's a kind of a Drew Parrish style guy, 
He doesn't throw real, real hard, but he's got a good changeup as his best pitch. He's working with consistency on the curveball. Sometimes it flashes as a really good pitch, and sometimes it's kind of just a spinner. And there's some question. The fastball is really a question because he was starting to throw a little bit harder before the Tommy John. The question is, how much will that velocity increase? What will be his peak velocity on the fastball? The location is going to be the biggest part for him. He's a left-handed pitcher. So there's a really good chance that he could move up and see some time later in the year in double A even if he continues to do what he's doing at the high A level. Uh, really excited about Noah Cameron as a guy who can contribute down the road, especially if he keeps those strikeout numbers up and the location he's shown in high A. That'd be wild if the Royals just start pumping out like this uh, pipeline of soft tossing lefties who can really command the ball, right? Like that'd be wild, wouldn't it? That's, uh, that's the thing they can't. <laughs> They're usually the ball. ones that get us. I know. <laughs> that's the one they can't. And to the idea that they can have a whole bunch of pitchers coming through command the baseball is insane to me. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see on that one. Uh, the guy I'm going to go with is another guy in Quad Cities at, at that on that high A team. He's a 21-year-old center fielder named Diego Hernandez. If you listen to the Royals Farm Report podcast or read theirs, they're high on this guy for the last few weeks now. And I sort of picked up on his name, I think not from them, but a while back, like a year or so ago, as a guy who has a lot of tools and the tools that I really like. I was looking for center fielders, like, oh, does this system have any center fielders in it? And I came across this guy and I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep my eye on him a little bit. And he has really taken off as a hitter. This year at Quad Cities, he's hitting 301 as a batting average with a 372 on base and a 441 slugging. That's good for an 813 OPS, which is pretty good for a good defensive center fielder like him. He's got really good speed, plenty of speed, speed to burn on this kid. He's about six five, or six feet tall and about 155. So he's like a kind of a rail skinny. thin, skinny guy, right? Right. <laughs> and you wonder, like, you know, not a lot of power right now, but you wonder if he couldn't start to develop some. If he puts on some more muscle, he starts developing physically a little bit. He might be able to hit the ball a little harder and uh, put put some power into the ball moving forward. But that's the big question for him. You know, the speed's there. He can play defense in center field. Will he ever hit for enough power? Will he not just like doubles and home runs, but like will he hit the ball hard enough to really make a difference? It helps if he can play an elite defensive center field. He's got 20 stolen bases this year. That helps too. But I would love to see what he's going to do as he moves into the upper levels of the minors and guys start getting better stuff and he starts maybe bulking up a little bit, see if he can really start turning into something like a center fielder of the future for them. Them. I don't know if Nick Lofton is going to be that guy. He's kind of been moved back to second base a little bit. So we'll see if it's Diego Hernandez instead. I think that he's the kind of guy that really would benefit, you know, Olivares from last year, this year kind of bulked up and he was always kind of a line drive hitter, but now he's sitting with a little more pop. That's yeah. what the, a guy like this could really benefit from mm -hmm. developing physically. Um, I'm going to go with another local guy for my uh, second prospect here under the radar prospect and if you follow the mlb draft you probably heard him because he was taken somewhat high last year it's carter jensen the 18 year old catcher out of parkville um he went to park hill high school he's one of the guys that they under slotted for last year in the major league baseball draft now when you look at his numbers you're going to be like okay that's not very good but there's the number one thing you have to consider is he is an 18 year old in full season baseball and doing some very positive things. He only has a 182 average, but he's got 16 extra base hits, including, I think, maybe eight home runs. Okay. Um, he's got a 12% walk rate. All right. And a 25% K rate. Now, you'd like to see the K rate come down a little bit, but a 12% walk rate is phenomenal. It's pretty he's good. Got, it's pretty good. Got, it's pretty it's good. Phenomenal. It's pretty good. It's well, not great. When we've been looking at six from a lot of the Royals hitters. Yeah, that's well, the last. Yeah. Five well, but years. let's compare him to, to the other hitters too, right? Like, 
Well, even even for that age, that's pretty good though. For when that age, for that age, that is good. Yeah, when you're playing in a level that uh, that is know. comparative to the SEC. So imagine if you go in as a as a freshman to LSU, which is where he was going to go, or Florida or something like that, and you're you're putting up this kinds of walk rate and K rate. That's pretty good. Yeah, and so and and it's weird because that whole team is like 18 and 19 years old. They're mm-hmm. all super young for the level. Um, but he plays catcher, a premium position. He's got some work to do. There's a, there were a lot of questions and probably still are on whether he will stay at catcher. Will the bat move him forward faster? But he's a good athlete, period. And so I'm really excited about the high walk rate uh, and the, the fact that he's shown pop already at a level when he's only 18 years old. He'll turn 19 later this summer. But I'm really excited about Carter Jensen. And if you watch some of his plate appearances, you watch some of the hits that he gets, it's not flare here, flare there. He's driving the baseball. And that's exciting to see. Dude hits the ball super, super hard, which is excellent. They're going to have to work with him to get that hit tool improved because, you know, you, you can't hit 182 no matter what, how hard you hit it or, you know, yeah. what well, level or whatever. But, here's, you know, there's the last thing I had on the rundown here might repeat the level, and that is fine. Yeah. He's going to have to repeat a level or two while he's in his development. And so if he ends up at single A next year, I say great, good. Keep him there. Let him get uh, used to that level of pitching, and I think he will. Yeah, a guy who sort of took a very different route, I think, to, to professional baseball is the guy I've chosen for to speak about second. That's Tyler Gentry. He's an outfielder at the double-A level right now. He just got promoted a couple weeks ago, I think, from high A. Uh, I think he went to Alabama. I, I, I get him and Tucker Bradley confused because they are basically the same dude to me. Um, but I think Tyler Gentry went to Alabama, 23-year-old. He's going to be a corner outfielder, not a center fielder. Spends most of his time in right field. But he has just really crushed the ball all year this year. He's just a hitter. You know, he reminds me a lot of Kyle Isbell. I know Isbell's a really good fielder in the field and so he's a better fielder than Isbell but he also hits a little harder I think but it's just with one of those professional at bat kind of kind of situations uh this year he's got a slash line of 329 420 as an on base and 537 as a slugging that's like that's a that's incredible that's a really really good slash line from him he's got a 26 percent strikeout rate and a 13 percent walk rate so he does take walks pretty well uh if the if the strikeout rate came down a little bit I'd love that seven home runs he's not a power hitter. He doesn't have like prodigious power or anything, but he could probably smack out 15 home runs in a major league season. I'd imagine 15 to 20, depending on if he bulks up any or or finds a little bit more power, but a guy who's just going to give you a professional at bat all the time. And so I really like what he could potentially be in the future. I don't know what he's like too much as a, as a fielder. I haven't seen enough of his, um, of his games to really say what he could be in the outfield, but uh, a really professional baseball player and a guy whose bat could really help him all the way to the major leagues. He's in double a right now. He's hitting well there so far, but we need a little bit more time to see what he's going to be at the, at the upper ranks, still only 23. So a lot of time for him to spend time in double a and triple a before he's about ready to come up to the major leagues. And so we'll see where he's at by the end of the year. But Tyler Gentry, I think is a guy we shouldn't overlook, but gets overlooked kind of because of when he was drafted and, and the COVID and so no minor league time. And he's not in the big, he's in a system that's got other big names in it. Don't look past Tyler Gentry. Cause he's a dude who probably will contribute to the Royals. If he keeps it up with the bat. 
And so we're going to continue the tradition of you spoiling the picks that I make because you just mentioned my next pick, Tucker Bradley, and he is a lot like Tyler Gentry. He's, he's a, like, they're the same dude. He's a college guy. Tucker, you know. Tyler, I don't know. You know, he's, he's a got college a guy. Color. He goes he to a country club. I don't know. Like, outfield. They both played both white. The what do you want from me? Uh, Tyler, or Tucker, <laughs> I did it right there. Tucker Bradley, See? an outfielder. <laughs> 24-year-old. He's in double-A as well, so they're playing in the same outfield. Oh, no. I know, which is odd. (laughs) How does their manager even keep them straight? (laughs) Who knows, man? I have no clue. Uh, One of you, you're in uh, right, the other's in left. You guys decide. That's probably how he does it. That's basically it. Rock, paper, scissors to see who plays right today. Um, But he was drafted at the University of Georgia, and the the thing, the kind of joke around the Royals Twitter sphere and stuff is Tucker Bradley, professional hitter, right? The guy can just hit, and that's what he does. He's got a 10% walk rate. He's got a low strikeout rate at 15%, um, 821 OPS right now in double A. Probably sticks in a corner. He he kind of reminds me, and I know, and I was thinking of that Kyle Isbell comp, and that that's a good one too. And this is, I think, a guy I comped Kyle Isbell to, so maybe it makes sense. David DeJesus, right? A guy you didn't love to play in center, but played an okay left or right, didn't strike out a ton, walked a little bit, and put together good at bats. That's kind of what I think of when I think of Tucker Bradley. He's he's under the radar in the sense that I'm not, and, and this could be the same thing for Gentry here. I just don't know about the opportunities they're gonna give him. You're gonna he's gonna have to, he's the kind of guy who's gonna have to prove it at every single level because he doesn't have one tool that's exceptional. He's got several average tools. But several average tools, if you keep proving it, can get you to Major League Baseball. So, you know, that's kind of my my look at Tucker Bradley there. Yeah, and that's going to be the thing for both of them. They do have to prove it um, at every level. But you can just think of a, of a dozen guys in Major League Baseball who are just like these guys. Cole Calhoun. They're just they're dirtbag they're dirtbag dudes is what I would call them. Like these are guys who are well, like Cole Calhoun. I think hit twenty home runs one season. I don't think either one of these guys. Well, maybe not, but he he doesn't do that every year. I'll tell you that. No, right now. But uh, they're just due to like they the Cardinals make entire teams out of these guys, yeah. right? Like, and so that's basically what these guys are, right? They're guys who are not superstars, never going to be superstars, but hit well enough, play defense well enough, and play smart baseball. And that's basically all that they're going to be. And, but that's really, could be really valuable. And so for the Royals who are looking to round out a team, that's going to be made up primarily, or that the foundation is going to be MJ Melendez and Nick Prado and Vinny Pascantino and Bobby Wood Jr. If you're looking to round out a team, guys like Tucker Bradley and Tyler Gentry can be really nice pieces to add because you know, they're not going to make mistakes on the base paths. They're not going to, you know, do these all they're not going to go things that Oh, for a week. Yeah. <laughs> they, they may not go because they're taking good at bats. They're not going to go Oh, for a week. Yeah. Usually we need to get a picture on this list. I feel like we're, we're hit or heavy in a lot of this. Uh, oh, there's no camera on there, I guess. Well, I'm going to talk about a little bit of a picture uh, at double a who we had somewhat high expectations for at the beginning of the year. Like he pitched really well in quad cities last year in uh, a, a high a, and then Mike and I started talking about him a little bit earlier in the year. I think we may have mentioned him on a previous show, but then he came out and really just crapped the bed to start the year. He pitched really badly in double A to start this year. And so I'm like, well, why is he on here? Because he's pitched really well in his last eight starts. He's made some mechanical adjustments and he started pitching well again. His name's Anthony Veneziano. And he's, uh, I forget how old he is. I think he's 24 years old uh, in double A. Lefty, big, tall, gangly, lanky lefty. And deception is a big part of his game. So while the overall numbers aren't good, he has found that deception again. He's starting to get some guys out at the plate. 
over the course of his last eight games in double A, he's thrown 43 innings. He's got 31, given up 31 hits, 17 walks, 44 Ks, 13 earned runs for a 2.72 ERA. That's courtesy of Royals Farm Report. Thank, thank them for putting out those stats together. But he's a guy who I think could really find success as one of those deception lefties, like a tall deception lanky lefty. He's not throwing the ball as hard as he has in the past, but if he gets there and he can keep the command in check, he might be all right and move, keep moving up into the AAA ranks and be one of those guys who gets a chance with the Royals. We never really know where those successful starters are going to come from. Nobody knew that John Heasley at this point would probably be the most successful of that 2018 <laughs> the most class. starter that right. they have. So maybe it'll be Veneziano. Who knows if he uh, gets a chance sometime, maybe probably not this year, but early next year. Is he basically Austin Cox? No, Austin Cox is not that tall, not that lanky, has virtually no deception. Um, And Veneziano, actually, when he's throwing as hard as he can, throws, I think, a little harder than Austin Cox, quite a bit harder than Austin Cox. I think Veneziano can, you know, sit there around 94, 95 with his fastball, though I don't think he's doing that right now. Um, And so we'll see. Uh, He's definitely much more lanky and more deceptive than Austin Cox is. And so, and has much greater capacity for striking guys out. Gets way more swing and miss than Austin Cox does. And so we'll see on him. I have a lot more faith in Veneziano. I think his ceiling is much higher than Cox. And so if he can reach that ceiling, if they can find a way to make sure he refines his command, he stays deceptive with his delivery. He might be end up in AAA sometime in the next month or so. The Royals finish up their West Coast trip to start this week with a series against the Angels before heading back home for another three-game set against the A's. The A's are coming right back to Kansas City. We get to play them again next week. That's good. Or this week. Yeah, isn't it it great? More A's, please. (laughs) Mike, tell us about the Angels team that is struggling mightily right now despite having two of the best players on the planet. Yeah, they fired their manager, Joe Madden. Got rid of him uh, because of just low expectations. They were riding really well, and then they went on a long losing streak. Um, we're doing some weird shit to get rid of the losing streak. Um, like playing they, Nickelback constantly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my God. You could not. Who, I don't care if we've lost 40. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> you, you put the Nickelback on, you're going to lose 60. And so, exactly. you know, that's, no, that's my feeling. No. Um, so the Angels, they're 33 and 36. Uh, nine games back in the AOS, but they still got a chance because they're in second place. And they just have a whole lot of talent, to be honest with you. Bubich versus Cindergard. Noah Cindergard. Back with the Angels, 29-year-old right-hander, 3.53 ERA, 1.18 whip. We remember him from the 2015 World Series. Um, yes, variety. I do. I do believe that we uh, we beat him in that series. I do Did believe. We? I thought we lost. He was that talking game. a lot of smack. We didn't lose his game. We lost Stephen Matt's game. Okay. Uh, I think Syndergaard pitched well in his game, but then we ended up taking it against their bullpen or something. Yeah. But he was talking a lot of shit during that series, and the Royals came out and said. I don't give a still shit. Still got Murphy playing second. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> We're dead. You still got Murphy and Duda playing out there. We'll be all right. <laughs> so he does not throw the way, you know, Thor and all that stuff. He's coming off injuries, a couple of injuries. So Thor more like Boar. <laughs> yeah. Thor more. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's only throwing about mid 90s, whereas he used to be an upper 90s and 100 kind of guy, but still good stuff with a change up slider and curveball. He still likes to lean on the fastball a little bit. Um, but doesn't throw nearly as hard as he used to. The second game is the one I'm really looking forward to. Jonathan Heasley versus Reed Detmers. If you don't know who Reed Detmers is, he was drafted last year, wasn't he? Uh, 2020. 2020 out of BYU, if I'm not mistaken. Louisville. You're nowhere near. You're not even on the map. Not even right on the now. planet. Out of Louisville. He way off the, the guys way coming out in the draft. He was a, he was a first-round guy. 
a lot of people thought he was maybe the most advanced arm, one of the most advanced arms in college baseball at the time. I'm waiting for um, you to go right-handed, right? No, he's left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> Plays both it ways? Says, no, just a pitcher. <laughs> just a pitcher. Uh, it says left-handed on the rundown, so I wouldn't give you that one wrong. Father was um, a player, right? No, his father was an accountant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, he's got that famous Detmer name. Isn't he related to one of the quarterbacks? Is he not? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I have I'm no assume, idea. We'll assume he's related <laughs> That's to That's where you got BYU from. I'm like, I think it is. You get BYU? I think, it is. I think I got that from Ty Detmer, and like I thought they were related in some way. That could and be Coy? completely wrong. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's a left-handed pitcher out of, and it says Louisville there. I'm an idiot. Uh, 4.25 ERA, 1.08 whip. So he's got a really good whip. I've never seen him pitch. So I'm excited to see that, uh, fastball in the kind of low to mid nineties curveball slider changeup, but he commands them all really well. He knows how to pitch. And so everybody really thought that he was kind of the, like a guy they were for sure going to get something out of in major league baseball. So I'm excited to see him and my boy, John Heasley. We all know I'm a big John Heasley fan. So excited for that. Detmers is a guy who his secondary numbers are way better than his or better than his actual overall numbers and his pitching metrics. So don't be surprised if he looks a lot better than a dude with a 4.25 ERA. Yeah. And of course he will against us against the Royals. Yeah. Then Daniel Lynch will go against uh, Shohei Otani. So tough one to end it on. 27-year-old right-handed pitcher out of Japan. You guys all know who Shohei Otani is. 3.28 ERA. He's got a 1.09 whip. He throws a million pitches. He throws harder than shit. And then he'll probably hit one out during the game as well. Um, They're doing best against his fastball, though, which is odd to me because he can throw it really hard. But he's, you know, with that other guy on their team, he's the best player in the world. So, yeah. Yeah, he's real good. After the Angels come, or after the Royals take on the Angels, they'll fly back here to uh, Kansas City to take on Oakland, who I guess they might as well just hop on the same plane and save some gas, you know? A uh, few, you know, all about Oakland. We just played them, so there's not much to more to add there. They're a very bad team. They sold off all of their players before the season started, and they have a bunch of guys who you've never heard of playing for them. Uh, you'll n- remember Seth Brown. He had a really good series against us, a good game today, yeah, especially. He had, home run today. Uh, he had a home run today. He had a, at least another single today. Uh, so Seth Brown is one of their better hitters. Sean Murphy, their catcher, is one of their better hitters. Elvis Andrus is one of their better hitters, which was- tells you where they're at right was now. murphy the guy that hit the home run today or the three-run home run today i want to say yes but my brain is remember. not good so uh they have a couple guys who really can't hit at all of course as well bad teams always do uh we really struggled against their soft tossing lefties in this series Irvin and caning and so we'll see if they bring those if we hit catch those guys again next time around there are no probables out for this game yet but or for this series yet, but hopefully we miss those soft toss and lefties because they own us. We just not we're not good against them. We made yeah, Irvin and- look like a Cy Young winner. We made Kane mm-hmm. look like a Cy Young winner. We scored none against, and I don't. I'm not sure if we could put any across against Irvin. Maybe two, but it was not good. I think the the soft tossing lefty or righty because really anybody who doesn't throw hard. We seem to have problems with. I think a lot of times we struggle against them because we are prone to swinging at pitches that are in the shadow, as we've talked about before, or outside of our primary hitting zones. And those guys are really good at putting them there. And so that's why I think we tend to you look at a guy. You go, hey, he's only throwing it up there ninety. Well, he's putting it in a spot where we like to swing but can't really do any damage. So yeah. And that's, and that's, that's 100% what ends up happening. They throw it in the shadow. We put the ball in play. It's like a weak ground ball to left or right, or a pop fly. That's easily caught in the outfield. We're just, uh, we're not great at laying off those pitches in the shadow, especially from guys who 
throw pitches that look enticing when they throw them. Oh, it's not going very hard. Oh, it's moving pretty. Uh, swing. Weak pop fly. He owns you. Thanks, Mark Burley. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just About Outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike. Your life is pretty boring, but I'm sure there's something happening to you, something pretty like old man complainish that you would like to talk about. Mike, what's so happening outside the world of baseball? Old man How did you know <laughs> I, that? You I know? see I see what's on the run now. Okay, people. Here's where we get into diatribe territory. Airlines. I do a lot of traveling. I, I've flown many places in my life. I cannot explain how pissed off airlines can make me especially American Airlines. Yeah, I'm going to name them by name. I'm calling them out right here. Okay. I've been this is called opposite flight. advertising. Yes. Okay. We don't want them as advertisers. They are garbage. They are a flaming pile of garbage. And the thing that really pisses me off is they know they can be garbage. It doesn't matter if they suck. Why? If they lose money, the government's just going to hand them money anyway. Like <laughs> it, it's, it's just insanity to me. I'm trying to book this flight for my wife and my child to go visit her grandmother in Arizona in November. I call their customer service line. I had to ask a question, pretty basic question. Hey, can I do this thing? Yep. You can do that. Cool. They're like, you just have to call to book your flight. You got to call this other number. Okay. Call the other number. They tell me it's going to be an eight hour hold. No lie. It said more than eight hours for the hold. They said, but hey, we'll call you back. Okay, schedule a callback. Get the call back. Say, hey, I need to book this flight doing this thing that this person said we could do. Oh, you, no, you can't do that. <laughs> then why did they say I could? Let me ask that. Then why do they say I could? Oh, you can't do that. So do I need to even be talking to you? Can I, can I not do this? Could I just do this on my own? Well, yeah, if you're not doing that thing, you can just do it on your own. Good. If I can cut you guys out of it, great. Go to do it on my own. Their system doesn't work when you do it on your own. Yeah, no lie. If you try and book a flight using miles with an adult and an infant, it doesn't work. You have to call them back. So I call them back. Guess how long the hold's going to be, Mark? Three hours. Eight hours. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I should have learned from the first one. Yeah, so I get a call back again, and then I got to go with this person and say, hey, yeah, I already talked to you guys one time. Why doesn't your system allow you to book a flight for a person and their infant child? Oh, well, when you're using miles, blah, blah, blah. Basically, in a long term, she said, uh, we suck. That's why. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, man. Uh, we are an outdated mode of doing anything. It's insane to me. It is because I've used good ones. I've used good systems for booking travel, using rewards, miles, and all this stuff. And this is beyond a bad one. It is so bad. Like, ugh, done with airlines. Quit shoveling them money. Like, ugh, they are the worst. And they're canceling flights. And your your partner just dealt with uh, I know. a bunch of delayed flights and stuff this weekend. And I know so here's it's tough coming out of a pandemic and staffing and all that. So I know it's difficult. Then don't sell the fucking tickets to begin with. I know yep. you're trying to max out your profit. But hey, instead, try and max out your customer service. Let's do that Here, first. Here's the thing. Here's... I told people I was driving down to New Orleans when, when I was having it. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, it's 12 hours down to New Orleans. Do I want to deal with airlines? Do I want to get on a all the different steps of bullshit? You have to deal with the fly from booking the thing to dealing with their stuff and all that sort of to, to going there, to getting on and off a plane. Oh, what's that? The crew's late. Oh, what's that? When you have mechanical issues to all that shit on and off and all this. 
or I could just drive 12 hours. No big deal. I can stop when I want. I can do what I want. This is why I very rarely fly places anymore. <laughs> like if I'm going to, unless I'm going out of the country, I am not flying basically. Well, I will if I got to go to the West Coast, I guess, but I'm even thinking about that. My partner and I are talking about taking a trip in late July, thinking about driving it to the West Coast. What the hell? We'll go see, we'll stay somewhere in Wyoming one night or for a couple of days, and then we'll go, you know, hang out in Seattle. You know, we'll drive it because honestly, it just makes no sense that the inefficiency and garbage they make customers put up with it just i'm right there with you on the flying thing on the airlines thing it's just not worth it anymore when are we going to get these teleporters damn it we need them <laughs> um where's my hyperloop where's my i need it i need a teleport places um i'm gonna talk about another thing that doesn't infuriate me i find it hilarious uh and i've brought it up before in the past and i know all the crypto bros hate me and everything but now's an interesting time for crypto and so i wanted to bring it up the other day i saw a tweet you if you don't know cryptocurrency is headed uh, or headed it's in the toilet headed for the sewage system it is like going it's 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 completely beyond the dirt it's like all the way down the center of the earth at this point it has crashed hard especially or i guess the one that has been in the news most frequently is bitcoin bitcoin has taken a huge dive lowest rates since 2020 or something like that lowest stock price since 2020 and so i saw like a tweet the other day where somebody was like mentioning this. And then somebody was like, my, my neighbor, or my neighbor, who's a really into crypto says now's the time to buy. And then somebody replied with buy the dip, which is like a, a slogan in the crypto world. Right. And I find that so funny. And yeah. it's like, like the person who said my, my neighbor, or my friend says now's the time to buy. I'm like, well, of course he says that his stock in crypto is reliant on convincing other people to buy. <laughs> like, like that's how multi-level marketing schemes work. You get other people to buy in and it raises the price of your thing, right? Like that, that, that is all this really is. All crypto has ever been is a very successful, I guess, multi-level marketing scheme. And it's never become more clear as the stock price starts to plummet or as, as this narrative emerges of buy the dip, right? That, the fact that that slogan exists is just proof that that's all this really is. They need people to buy the dip to raise the price or that it's going to continue to fall. And so, yeah, I just find it very interesting that people are like, oh, these fun slogans, buy the dip, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it, bro. It's like, no, you're losing money. And it's hilarious to me. I love it. Yeah. And let me explain the difference here in that people might say, oh, well, they say that for stocks as well. Like, oh, buy the dip of this company that's going down. The difference there being that that company has assets, that company makes revenue, that company does those types of things that if for some reason they were to go under or whatever, they'd sell those off. Now you'd lose a lot of money, possibly all your money, but there's an opportunity for that company to make money in the future, for their revenue to go up, for their Business yeah, and to gain their stock price goes up and down based on things, other things besides just who's buying into them, right? Like, mm -hmm. so uh, you know, a pharmaceutical company gets a government contract, their stock price goes up because their revenue projections go up, right? It, it's stuff like that. It's not just like, well, a lot of people will now think crypto is good. So the stock price is going up because people are buying it because they think it's going to go up. It's like, this is all speculation, people. It's all, it's all driven by narratives. It has no, there is no real thing that is generating revenue out there. And so, you know, it, it, that's, what's interesting to me. If it's all marketing, if it's all based on finding more people to invest in it, and that's going to drive it up or down, then it's not really, a, it's, it's not really a thing. It's just a narrative, but it is kind of funny. <laughs> Now, <laughs> to watch that's people... not to say that you can't make money doing it. No, you can make money doing yeah, it. Yeah, there are people who can make money doing this. Exactly. Yes. 
just like people in all multi-level marketing schemes will make some, some of them will make money, right? Like the people who bought in early, they'll make money, right? Like that's yeah. how it goes, you know? And, and, um, and if you, here's the thing, if you buy the, the dip quote unquote now, and they do get the price to inflate and you sell, then you might make be, money. You might yeah. make some money. That's how, that's how it goes. Right. But the point of a multi-level marketing scheme though, is that all the people at the bottom are going to lose money. Right? <laughs> so the question is, are you going to be at the top or are you going to be at the bottom? I don't, I don't know. Like it, that's your gamble. Right. But, Treat it like what it is. It's not a wise, savvy investing move. It's just gambling. Like that's what it is, right? And it's gambling based on these weird and fun narratives that I just find very hysterical because the people who come up with them and sort of push them think it's thinks it's like think it's savviness. Think it's like, ooh, I'm really wise because I have this. It's not. It's just so funny <laughs> to me. I just I find it hysterical when people think they know something when they actually know nothing. That's very funny to me. You know what else would be really hilarious, Mike? If the Royals went undefeated this week, you think it's going to happen? Oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. Angels I do and not A's. think it's going to happen. We're not talking two juggernauts, Angels and A's here. Yeah, but the Angels are much better than us. Still. Uh, they are much and, better than uh, us still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're That's pitching no Otani. They're not going to lose. Every well, game. We're going to hope. We're going to hope for a few wins this week, and uh, when that happens, we'll we'll see you back here next week for more Royals Weekly. Until then, be good to each other and go Royals. <laughs>